Sten Morgan here. I hope you're doing well. I want to announce that we are launching the How to Be an Elite Advisor course. We are combining all of our best teachings and ideas into a course that you can complete in less than a week. I want to share with you the best ideas that I implement within my practice that have helped me achieve more than I ever thought possible. I want to share how I have unique meetings with clients. What's the mindset of an elite advisor? How do you prospect in a way that'll separate you from other advisors? At the Elite Advisor Network, we reject average. I want to help you see what your full potential is and reach it faster. Set time aside this week to take the course. Click on the link or go visit gobeelite.com. I'll talk to you soon. Hey friends, this is Andy Traub. We're going to start today's show by hearing from a participant from our January event from our How to Charge Live program. Gavin, thank you so much for being with me today. I want to thank you for your participation in our event. And you're a unique uh, perspective because you brought many members of your team. There were six of you total. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, So tell me, why did you bring your team? Well, so we... So I listened to uh, you and Sten's podcast for the probably about six months prior to us coming. And we were looking just for something different out there that we could involve the whole team. So I'm in a firm with another partner and just we we had been talking about what what is an event that we can go to that's just outside the norm of just an awards banquet and just, you know, a cruise. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that is, right? And so, stumbled across y'all's event. You and I had discussions around: uh, would it make sense for us to come? Would it make sense for us to bring our whole team? Yeah. And just finally, just landed on: yeah, let's just do it. Let's take a, a dive. You know, kind of a, a risk. We kind of took a risk, I think. Well, let's be um, frank. You made a big investment. Yeah, we know? made twenty-five to thirty thousand. Right. And so it's not light for us by any means. So it was. Um, it was definitely intentional. We went with a with with all the advisors on our team, we went with the thought of, Hey, that's at least repay for this. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's uh make it useful time. And it's really helped us on all facets of our business, to be honest with you. So it's not just helped us with fee-based planning, which is new and infant in our business, but it's really helped us across all of our business that we do. So let's be specific. Um, you know, last year you guys were did about 50 K in fees. You were about 80% of that. And a team of six, you don't want anyone to be 80%. That's not a good distribution of responsibilities, right? Right. So I I know you and I spoke privately. One of your hopes was, hey, I I hope these guys hear it from you because it might sound better coming from you than from me or or the other leader. What has been the impact of the event for you guys financially? Well, number one, we've done more than what we've done last year already after the event, which was, what, a month, month and a half ago. You know, we've immediately recaptured what we did last year. And then we just have a buy-in from everyone on the team where last year was just me saying, Hey, we should do this. And everyone else is like, we're not doing this. And now it's just a belief level that's imparted into everyone. And it's, I'm not saying we've changed our whole business model. And I'm not saying that we do fee based on every client that we work with, because it's not necessarily appropriate for everybody. But it's definitely given everyone a skill set that they can. And pretty much everyone on the team has at least presented a plan effectively now. And that, that frankly, Gavin, was the promise we made and we make with our future programs is that in a day and a half, we can communicate what you need to know. Why did it work for your team? Well, number one, it uh, I, I like how the format of the two day was the workshop because it really let us 
have some space to discuss it with each other, people from around the country that we would have never got to speak with, uh, speak with. Yeah. And then with you and Sten and just, just bounce ideas off each other. And then it just gave us a different framework or mindset when we're helping clients where especially like the COI thing was the biggest thing for me and the frustration of that in the past. And now we view COIs as ideal partners or strategy partners. Yeah. And the relationship we've actually built with our, our CPA that we had just switched where we came there has been unbelievable. And so he's helping clients. We're helping clients. We're, we're saving them on taxes, making their life, you know, making them tax efficient, yeah. which has just been incredible. So it's just a multitude of things that's helped us. And then just being away from the office, away from the distractions, investing time into learning this craft yeah. and then implementing afterwards. So why should a team come to the event? Why, why should two, three, four, five, six come to the event? I think if a firm's listening and they're they're wondering, should it be like the partners or the rainmaker or who should come? It should be everyone, every advisor, every client facing person on that team should go because it brings a level of confidence to everyone Mm -hmm. if they actually go through the workshop. I don't think it would be as if I don't think it would have been effective if me and say my business partner, Jeff, as the owners of the firm went and tried to impart that on the rest of the advisors in our firm because they they learn things throughout the event that they're teaching us. So I think it's a core value of ours is collaborative and we always want to be collaborative. So I just, the reason why your team is that collaboration process and it just works really, really well collectively together. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the investment you made. I was also very confident with you and I said, um, it's going to work. Like I know it's a big check, but I was very confident it was going to work and it's paying for itself and we don't want it to pay for itself. We want it to pay for itself then pay for itself, then pay for itself. And then, and so that's what you guys are on track. I mean, you guys are really on track to probably 8X what you did yeah. last year. And that's, frankly, the expectation we want to set for teams who are thinking about coming. Uh, we don't want you to earn your money back. We want you to earn your money back times this, times this, times this. So thank you personally for for trusting in us to do that. Uh, yeah. I appreciate your time. And uh, I just, I wish you guys the best. You guys are doing a really good job. So keep up the good work. I did want to add one thing. It it has increased our level of confidence and just deliverable to other clients that aren't, we're not using for, for fee-based. Hmm. So it's going to make you a better advisor, even if you can't charge fees. Like if you were an advisor, you can't charge fees yet. You come to this event, you're going to be a better advisor and you're going to do more business and you're going to have better outcomes for your clients, even if you can't charge fees. Because so, you're leading with ideas versus leading with product. I think that's the biggest thing. You lead up with ideas and strategies and not with product. Thanks. I didn't know you were going to say that. So thank you. Bonus content from Gavin. Thank you again, Gavin, for your time. And for you listening, if you'd like to up your game as an advisor, whether you'd like to charge for your advice or not, then you really should come to this event. You can find out more at stenmorgan.com slash how to live. That's stenmorgan.com slash how to live. And now on to our regular episode. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Andy Traub, and we are going to help you become an elite financial advisor. I guarantee it. Stan, <laughs> I, I do. I guarantee it. If you do what we I tell you, it. it works. That is true. It does. I uh, just had a call with someone. Uh, you actually heard them right before 
we started this episode. I, I played that audio. And that is from an advisor, actually two different advisors. And they did what we told them, Stan, and mm. it worked. And that's the way it should work, right? Yes. That's the way it should work. Uh, so today we're going to talk about when it doesn't work mm. <laughs> for clients. Yes. Sometimes it doesn't work with clients. Oh, wait, I, saw the, I saw the notes about this is about breakups. I thought this It's about was... breakups. Oh, with clients? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Necessary endings, bro. Necessary endings, Necessary man. Necessary endings. Yeah, so this will not be uh, life advice for your relationships. <laughs> nope. That is a but this might podcast. be able to apply to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You might just swap a different name in there. Let, let's talk about this. You did touch on this in your episode your conversation with Michael Kitsis, who not surprisingly was our longest episode. That's what he was and going for. He, he asked literally me. said, hey, can I be your longest episode? And we're like, Michael, I think that you'll be able to pull that off. And right. indeed he was. So thank you again for being on the show, Michael. Uh, but he talked about this idea uh, when and how you need to end relationships with clients. And so we're going to expand on that more. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to get into some really tangible things about how you do this within your company. So first, when you're starting off, would you agree? So we'll start with this point. Do you have to just accept bad clients? Because remember, we're talking about that rookie stage where you're oh, like, yeah. hey, I would like I to pay to for my apartment. <laughs> yes, <sir>. <laughs> <laughs> my landlord would like for me to pay my apartment. I would, I would put it that your avatar changes. Your ideal client changes. And an ideal client early on is anyone that will give you time and, and, yeah. and do business and, and hear you out because um, yeah. you have yet to prove yourself. Uh, quickly, that avatar can change. I'd say as you get later in your career, avatar shouldn't change as much. But what I've found is most advisors do not have a, a, an approach, uh, a systematic way of reviewing their clients and saying who should stay and who should go. Yeah. And so I think baseline is, you know, two categories will break it down is ones that you don't like working with. And then there's also ones that don't like you. Okay. I'm excited which to hear about... For, which is hard for us to ever accept because... I'm excited about hearing about both of those when you stand, <laughs> just because I like to see you squirm. Oh, yeah. So... So let's say, first of all, don't be too hard on yourself. If you had a client that you had in the very beginning, you're like, that's just not a good client for me now. That maybe is a positive sign that you're growing as an advisor, yeah. right? So, you know, maybe that's a good thing that you're, you're seeing that. Uh, and it should change. And again, it shouldn't change too often, but that, that happens. Do, do they ever talk about bad clients? I mean, how did you learn about bad clients? Just having bad clients? Well, er, in the early days, uh, advisors would sit around and, you know, talk about kind of a, a war story or, hey, this client's, or they'd, you know, sigh when somebody calls. And, <laughs> but the, the environment I grew up in, it was like, you just put up with it, like, because you just need more, like more clients are better at, at all costs. And it probably wasn't until I was you know, five, six years in the business that I was more in a position of seeing some senior advisors that were in a mature phase uh -huh. and they had a, an abundance mentality that they didn't think these were the last clients on the earth. Cause early on it was more at all cost. It was very competitive in the office. People weren't really kind of open of things. That was just the environment I found myself in, but the more kind of abundance minded kind of want to share ideas, advisors you get around with, you realize every advisor has some clients that when they call it, it kind of drains energy out of the advisor. Yeah. But if the client generates enough revenue, you'll put up with it. Sure. And so I think sometimes it's easier to say, hey, this client isn't even generating revenue. I should just let them go. I think you also have to say, how how valuable is my emotional energy, my team's emotional energy, my time? And do I feel like there's other ideal clients that are enjoyable to work with? And if so, and I would say every advisor listening, because this happens in my practice all the time too, you can identify a few clients today that you would say, 
if I could, I could replace that revenue and probably find a more enjoyable client. Then I need, I need, I need a process or a system to go about making that change. Let's begin by maybe addressing, and it is going to be an emotional. You don't like working with this person, as an example. So it is. There's a reason you don't like working with them, whatever that might be. And for those who are listening, you, you probably have someone in mind. What are some examples of why people don't like working with a specific client, just on a practical level? Confrontational. I would say if they're always questioning your advice, like it feels like they're always you know, trying to find something that's wrong or mm-hmm. always giving you the impression that nothing I can do, you appreciate. Right. We all want to work with people to appreciate what we do, that know we work hard for them. There's clients that you will just never win. Okay. And some advisors can probably just sit in that, you know, if you're, if you're emotionally developed enough and you can just kind of tune it out and it doesn't kind of hit you. I could never do that. I was a people pleaser enough that I was like, man, every time this person calls, I know it's going to be an argument. There's yeah. nothing I can say. That's not an excuse in their mind that, you know, there's probably been 10 over the years yeah. that fell into this category where it was like, unemotional. they were not going to be happy. No. And if I remove my emotion from it, my codependence from that relationship of like, yeah, but if, if, if I want to please them and right. I want every client to love me, I was like, this is easily identified as a drain on me. And I had to have the conversation, you know, obviously respectfully and just say, Hey, we've tried various times to work together in my opinion. And it's not asking them, it's telling them this is no longer a good fit. I think it's best that you find a different advisor, not saying they did anything wrong, but just saying, I think that my approach is probably not the best fit. Right. Cause that is true. There are right. some clients, no matter what you do, you're just not a good fit. And breaking up with them that way. That one is less difficult than the other, which is you you like the client or they're profitable enough, right. but they find fault in your system. Right. They break up with... They, you're fighting for them to stay with you. Right. Let Before we get to the ones who want to leave you, let's talk about the ones that you would... Well, actually, no. Let's let's go to the, let's go to the ones that, that um, are leaving. Have you ever been able to save one? I think there's been times where it got on the rocks. I don't know if they ever said, hey, Sten, I'm out. They right. left, and then I came and pulled them back. Right. Um, I've had to get better over the years, you know, as opposed to the person being like, hey, I'm leaving. them, be like, well, you're dead to me then. Never call yeah. me back. Not that I would say that, but like that was probably the energy I gave off yeah. versus, okay, like we're here to help. And I, I was able to say that when it was later in my career and we had more than enough opportunity and clients coming in. But early on, it was hard. It was like, I'm, I'm, I need to convince you to stay because I know the revenue I'm going to lose or the opportunity, the assets under management, the potential next insurance sale. Yeah. Um, I had to get better at recognizing, okay, why did they leave? Is it something I did wrong that I could change and fix? Yeah. Or sometimes is it in the natural cycle of any business, you're not going to have 100% client retention. Right, right. And I'm not going to beat myself up over that. So those are really healthy things to consider for those listening. Like There are, there are multiple reasons a person could leave and want to leave. And you know maybe their spouse is like, no, we're we're moving, and you're like, man, you know, sorry, you know, maybe she's like, my hubby said we're moving, and so we're moving. I appreciate you, but you know, whatever it might be. Yep. There's others um, that I I do think that you know people. It's just this. It is unhealthy to think about this as I think about professional athletes, and they're like, you get traded sometimes. Yeah, doesn't mean they didn't love you, and your time with her wasn't valuable. It's like we got you got traded. You know yep. what I mean? And I, I think that you have to go into it saying, I'm not going to bat a thousand. Yep. Right. You would never expect that with client meetings. Like every person I meet with is going to do business with me. That would be an unhealthy expectation. That's right. Right. So let's talk about when they do want to leave. How much energy do you put into um, learning why? I mean, yep. how healthy is that? Mm-hmm. How, how much do you uh, fight for it? 
Mm-hmm. You know, what, what can, what can, what's some positive things you can do, even if they don't result in them staying, that you can do when you find out someone wants to leave? I mean, in the healthiest sense, it's I want to learn from this so it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I love that. And so I would always take a good run at like, hey, let's get together for a strategy meeting and kind of talk through what your concerns are. Like, it could also just be a cry for help. Like, I feel like I need a posture to get your attention. Mm. You know, and then you got to say, is my service model appropriate for this person? And are they a good fit long term? If they also still after that decide to make a change, depending on my relationship with them, I've done this before. I'd be like, would you let me know why we weren't a good fit? Yeah. I'm always as a business owner trying to get better. I'd love some feedback. Um, a lot of times it's just, I'm, I'm just not seeing the value now. And it's like, well, you're not even returning my calls to have meetings. So it was kind of a, a no yeah. win. It just needs to pause. I love that attitude right there of um, when someone says, I'm not really seeing the value. And you know, as their advisor, like that makes sense. You're not participating in what's going on. Yeah. So that's why it's not a good fit anymore. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I think that that's so trying to reengage them is really important, right? And we are back. <laughs> I love how you can edit out breaks. Uh, we were having some technical difficulties. Uh, the screen Andy kept going off. Andy was having some technical difficulties, and we figured out that he was walking around with the uh, Apple TV remote in his pocket. Those those remotes <laughs> are garbage. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> leave a review of the show and just say Apple remotes are garbage, but I love the show. That's they right. are. They're we'll cool edit out most of it except for this part. But. <sighs> okay. uh, All right. Anyways, uh, back to talking about... Back to talking about clients who leave you, you want to learn from them. Yep. And I like how you phrase that. Hey, as a business, I really, I love this part, like word for word. As a business owner, I'm always trying to improve. Yep. So if, it would really help me if you could explain what were the things that we could do better yep. in the future, if there's anything. Yep. And, and I think that's a very humble, but also direct request. And from a practical sense, because this audience is mostly financial advisors, we are all business owners. You are probably successful in this job because you like to serve and like to please. But in any scenario, that can go too far and hinder your progress. And so my challenge to everybody, if category one, which we talked about, was firing clients we know we shouldn't have, you should go through your client list tomorrow, even ask your team who they are. (laughs) <laughs> and probably identify, even if this is just a discomfort exercise for you, yeah. a few clients you need to have card conversations with. And it's probably not, hey, I'm thinking about letting you go. It's probably like, no, everyone's going to feel better if we let them go. So that's a challenge and exercise. You should do that probably at least once a year. Moving into, okay, you lose a client that you actually wanted. How do you learn from that? Because that, that happens occasionally to all of us. Yeah. To proactively say, what could we have done better? But I also tell my team, we're not going to upend our process because of one or two people. So when we do our annual client surveys and we get some feedback from clients, I say, okay, is that recurring feedback yeah. or is it a one-off person just asking for something that doesn't make sense? So, so try to learn from it, but don't, don't take it personally. Yeah. I love the idea of gathering data and then this filtering that data. I mean, it, it's, if you are constantly changing because of one or two people's opinions, like also you just need to set the direction of who you are as a company. And then if some people are not keeping up with that, it's like, well, this is where we're going. And so this is this this is you you cannot be all things all people. If you, you want, want yeah, to you be want miserable, scale if you're trying to be. Yeah. And and your team won't appreciate it. There's a lot oh it's it's this is true of everyone except for this guy, this lady that 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 makes your systems fall apart. So I, I really like the idea of saying we need to be consistent and, and and I would say if you could help the audience then what are some things that are just fireable offenses, if you will, with clients? 
I've had a client yell at a team member of mine multiple times. Um, just a very intense person. But at some point, it's like, those are conversations you have with me, not with you know a relationship manager. And part of that is like, you could coach them out of that maybe. But if they're in their mid-50s and that's how they're handling themselves, that's, that's probably not going to change. Yeah. That instance was more of me coming to the defense of the team yeah. versus could I put up with this person? It was, yeah, that, that's not the environment I want them being in because that would wear them down too. And potentially somebody, I, I don't want to deal with this stress. I'm, I'm leaving. Yeah. So there's a component of protecting your team, which the more advisors I talk to that have been in the business for a while and have had this conversation enough times, almost half the time they, they let a client go for their team yeah. versus their own personal I think that that, that makes a lot of sense in light of this. And this is just, we're being frank, you know, we want to be a, a practical show here is that there are people that will not speak a certain way to you, but they will speak a certain way mm. that being a jerk yeah. to people that are, you know, lower than you. There's yep. quotes around lower, right? But yep. they're all part of your team. They all matter. Yep. And, um, you know, I've heard this said before is if you want to measure someone's character, watch how they speak to children. Mm. And I think if you want to measure someone's character, watch how they talk to all the employees, yeah. right? Whether it's the, you know, the the doorman at the hotel, all the way to the manager or whatever, yeah. right? And so I do think that you need to send that signal. Mm -hmm. And and again, maybe someone's having a bad day, yep. but if it's a more than once thing, and I love the idea of asking your team. So Stan, let's get really practical about systems. How do you handle this? What are the options if you're ready to move on? What what do you do? How do you how do you handle that? I always have the conversation personally, typically on the phone. I don't like schedule a meeting to break up with somebody, uh, a client, but I would call and essentially say, hey, for this reason, I, I feel that we're not a good fit. And I think it's best you find another advisor. Give me an example of some reasons. Like you don't seem to trust my advice. Yeah, if they or... never, this happened last year a couple of times, somebody was paying us and they never took action Yeah, on what we said. And that was more of just like a, I just, there's people that want our advice, need it, and we'll put it into practice. And I need results to show for to justify the next fee we want to charge you. And if you're taking yeah. no action, like that just is not a fit for us. Early in my career, I probably been said, sure, keep paying me and yeah. do your thing. That's just my philosophy in this point of my career. Um, how they talk to your team. I mean, that's one where it's like if the team is getting stressed out and when the, the person calls the team gets stressed out, that should probably be near the top of your list. Again, if you are looking at it as a business owner, that's unemotional, that's saying there's more than enough clients out there. We just want the clients we really enjoy working with. Yeah. And, and I promise you, if you even if you're at a stage of your career where you're willing to put up with this, my hope is you get as quickly as possible to a place where you're not, because that means you probably have an abundant mindset now. You're probably confident in your system and there's more clients. If you are putting up with clients that you don't enjoy, because life is short, or your team doesn't enjoy, I would challenge you to pause and say, why am I willing to do that? Mm. Like, what is the thing keeping me in this that's not healthy? And that book, Necessary Endings, I read it again recently. And that, that just hits you in the face with, there are really easy ways to, to know when something should end. And most of us know in our gut when something should, it's just hard to actually take action on it. I, I haven't finished that book. I'm in the middle of it, but I, I, I understand this from a relational emotional perspective. There is a sunk cost mm -hmm. part of it. Whereas I've, we already have the relationship. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I know it's 70% bad, but like, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe it's only 30% bad, but there's 70% good. And it's like, it's understanding. And I think this is what the, what the, the industry does not teach you is that clients are optional. Yeah. Like we reserve the, the right to refuse service. Like if you see that in a diner, you can do it in your business too. Oh, especially in our business where 
I think if you can get over yourself, and I had to, where like there are other good advisors, the the future of their financial plan is not dependent on me to sit here and take the lashings. There's a chance it's in their best interest for you to let them go to. Yeah. Because there's a chance there's another advisor that actually is a better fit for them for whatever reason. And so I think there's the clients you know you should get rid of. There's the ones that you learn from as they leave. The the final group I want to talk about, and this is what I talked to Michael about a little bit on that podcast, was should every advisor have a system in place to systematically release clients or transition clients? Okay. Now, kids has talked about this in light of, you know, as you're growing your business, as you add the right one, get rid of a couple that are not the right ones. and that, Or, or that, as right. That's right. You're as right. And, and the idea is that you're starting to sort of build up. I mean, I think about like a roster of a team. Yep. You know, there's 53 spots. You can't add someone from the practice squad and leave it. You know, there's 53 spots. Yep. Right. So how do you, what are the two different ways for you to, to process, hey, we added someone, we're going we're gonna to have someone move on. How do you do that? Michael talked about his approach when he was more of an active advisor was he couldn't get over the, the feeling internally of like, if I just fire this person, I'm putting them to the wolves. I'm, yeah. I'm sending them out there to be taken advantage of. And, and I have that struggle with me as well. His approach was to go find another advisor in the same town that he trusted, interview them and just feed them externally. Yeah. I've solved that by saying I have other advisors on my team that if it's a good client that I'm just outgrowing slightly with my process or my capacity, then they can still benefit from my team and my process. They would just have another lead advisor. Yeah. They would field most of the questions. I don't take a client that I don't want to work with and feed them to my team. If I, if I let go or fire a client, they just, they exit the team fully and I don't really go try to find them another advisor. But if it is, this is a great person. I've worked with them for years. My client list cannot just continue to grow forever. Right. Every advisor should have something in place that says, I can ideally serve 100 clients, 150 clients, whatever it is. And there's advisors with thousands, and that's a something they should try to figure out sooner and later on how to really get that number down. I think my current number is about 100. And it's like, this is Sten's active book of business that he oversees personally. And now I have to work internally on my team with Chris to say, okay, Chris, what, what does this group continue to look like? And there's some on there that I'm like, I've had them for 10 years you know, I, I work with the wife, the husband passed away and she only trusts me. There's some exceptions to that. Yeah. But as business owners, and I was challenged when Michael talked about this and he even said, you can, for every one you add, you get rid of two. Do you have a system in place or a, a formula that you're mo- working towards that you say someday when I reach this point for every client I add, that's ideal, that's an A plus or A, yeah. I'm willing to drop one of the lower tier ones, whether it's within my team or externally. Yeah. So let's end let's end the episode with the positives of this. Uh, it feels kind of a downer, right? <laughs> but let me just say this, and I think about this. I'm a baseball coach, and we're getting ready to f- form our our summer team. And you know, I I've I am not actively recruiting more kids to my team right now because there's a pool of kids that I want to I want to fish from. Mm-hmm. Meaning, because I want to make sure I find the right. I only have so much spots, yeah, right. And I want to make sure that I get the right people in. And when you are patient and you add the right people, business feels very different. Yep. So what are the positives? And, and these might sound obvious to some, but I think it's just a very healthy reminder. What, how does your practice feel? What, what is it like walking in the office? How does your team uh, you know, work together and work in their day-to-day tasks differently when you have the right clients in place? Our business has enough pressure and stress. Yeah. The market, it's money, it's emotional for people anyway. So this is just a difficult business to be in if you lean into that. Um, if you're just kind of selling product and moving on, you know, maybe you have less emotional interactions with clients. Mm-hmm. 
but I know with managing money and consulting, like we have some tough interactions at times. One, because I've decided to lean into that with clients and I'm willing to have hard conversations. So there's some of that that I'm just willing to accept and clients are thankful for it. But when it does hit a threshold where you're like, this person feels like a distraction, I'm going home worrying about it. I yeah. don't want to meet with them tomorrow. If you drop that, it's amazing how free you are. That the, that the potential emotional impact of that one client was the same as 50 others. Mm. And when I've dropped some of those, it, it's a, it, just my posture. When I come up to surge and I have to meet with everybody, I'm not just worrying about that one or two clients huh. that's going to be mixed into my yeah. 60 meetings. Yeah, it, it is amazing how how much of a drain it can be. So it'll, it'll free your mind, give you more ener energy for other things. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think the another sort of visual of it is if you know that, for instance, you're, you're running on a track and you see that ahead of you, there are no obstacles versus, you know, you, you're running through a field and, you know, if there's a big hole, there's a tiger, there's a, you know, you have no idea what's oh, yeah. out there. It's a, you, your speed's going to be very different, yeah, right? It's a true. very different experience. And so what you want to do is you, for your team and for yourself, you want to say, I want to be in the ideal situation for me to perform at my very, very best. How, and again, friends, Average or elite, elite mm -hmm. advisors don't tolerate people being disrespectful of the team. And maybe they mm -hmm. give them one shot. Hey, Mike, I need to have a difficult conversation with you. Yep. I had a conversation with my teammate. This is what happened. Can you confirm that happened? Yep. Okay. I want to have this conversation with you one time because I appreciate you as a, as a client, but I need you to not speak that way to my team. And he might go, man, I was having a horrible day. I'm so, so sorry. Da, da, da. Great. But the reality is an elite advisor might just go, they're done because this person's more valuable than that client. Yep. I'm not telling you which it's one to do. It's case by case, yeah. It's case by case. But the bottom line is elite, right? Elite, are they are at their best. That makes sense. That's the definition of elite is yep. they're fully using their superpowers, right? Yep. And, and I'll tell some, you, every elite advisor is thinking of this constantly because it's the health of your business. Yeah. And your client, the clients you have matter. So if you're like, Sten, I honestly haven't thought about this or talked about it with anybody for a long time. Start folding it into your annual planning or quarterly meetings. Like, what is the health of our book and do we enjoy the people we're working with? And if the only reason we're not is because we don't think there's enough other clients out there, mm. that's scarcity mentality. That's yeah. a whole other prospecting issue that you should really dive into. A healthy elite advisor is constantly looking at their book, pruning where necessary, and then being really selective about who comes on in the future. And if it's necessary to continue to serve clients really well, who do they transition out? Awesome. So wrap with this. Some reasons to say goodbye are, I think that some people, I remember that this happened with uh, Sprint, no longer Sprint, got bought by T-Mobile. But at one point, they, they fired like 5% of their clients because they were taking up like 25% of their customer service capacity. Oh, wow, yeah. They were costing them money because they were so problematic. Hmm. Every month calling about their bill. Every month, right? Yeah. yeah. And so there are reasons where it's like they're literally not worth it. Yeah. They're, they're costing consuming us too, too much, much resources. Right, consuming resources. The other could be a behavior thing. It could be, you know, just a, they're not profitable anymore for Yeah, for it could just be reason. purely emotional. Yeah. Like yeah. I just don't feel good. That does it. It's a distraction. I'm not yeah. being my best self as an advisor to all my other clients. Like, and you do not have to give somebody a detailed explanation. There's a chance you just say, this is just not a good fit. And, yeah. and they say stuff and you just have to be ready for what comes you don't internalize it. They're allowed to have their reaction yeah. because it is maybe frustrating. They're getting rejected. They have to go find another advisor. But the health of your business, your team, your family, what you bring home, yeah. you have to put all that into context. And the, the, the truly difficult part about this, I think, from a, just a super practical for those who are listening, is that you don't, you don't know how good it feels 
until you've done it. Yeah. You don't know how heavy the weight was until you take it off and you're like, I had no idea. Yeah. So our encouragement to you is look through your book, have conversations with your team members, do the things Stan asked you to do, invited you to do, encouraged you to do. And we would love for you to give us some feedback on, on how it went. If there's something you do differently, we'd love to hear that as well. Go to stenmorgan.com slash podcast. And uh, we want to let we want we want to know that it's working because ultimately we want you who are listening right now to become an elite advisor, and this is an important step in that process. Well, as always, thank you so much for taking time to listen today. We really do hope that you'll see yourself as a valuable advisor, one that deserves to work with great clients. And if you need to make some necessary endings with a few of those clients, then we trust this episode has empowered and equipped you to do that. One last reminder for registration for a How to Charge live event starting in May of 2023. You can go to stemmorgan.com slash howtolive to learn more about that. That's stemmorgan.com slash howtolive. Oh, one more thing. Several of you have left reviews for us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for doing those. Uh, quite a few of them are pretty funny. So we appreciate that. Thanks for taking the time to do that. And if you haven't, head over there and leave us a review. We really would appreciate it. <laughs>